I uh, grabbed myself a Nestle Splash. It's lemon water with additives. I don't know how they make it taste like lemon, but it's there. Natural lemon-flavored water, beverage with other natural flavors. Ingredients, purified water, (laughs) natural flavors, citric acid, sodium polyphosphate, polyphosphate, potassium sorbate, preserves freshness, potassium benazate, sucralose, asphamel. Oh my. Well, it tastes like lemon. (laughs) Takes a lot to taste like lemon, huh? Lots of chemicals. On to WrestleMania Day 2. We were back for another, and now I'm all thrown off. We're back. <laughs> it was too long of a delay between day one and day two, and now I'm like, huh? I well, know the, for the listeners, it only seemed like it was it's seconds. It's but it's actually been 48 years since. <laughs> I'm an old since man. We talked about Mania Night 1. <laughs> now we're talking about Mania Night 2, and we're old gray men. We still haven't heard from Corey. No. We don't know where Corey is. We think he disappeared in the wilderness. We don't know what happened to Corey. But we're here. We came back to you guys through a time machine to talk about WrestleMania Day 2. A time machine that you invented. Yeah. It's very (laughs) exciting. WrestleMania Day 2, Ed. You ready? I'm ready. All right. They opened the show on WrestleMania Day 2 with my favorite wrestling match, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. This was my favorite match of both days. This was, this, I, to me, this was, and you know what? Screw all the people that are comparing it to porn. You didn't hear about that, did you? I said, look no, I'm face. really curious to hear about that. There was lots of, if on Twitter and everywhere, there were lots of people when they were watching Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley beat the crap out of each other, the noises that they were making, they were comparing it to a Williams sister tennis match and pornography. Because they were grunting and howling and realistically, if you were watching it, they were beating the piss out of each other. But there were lots of people right. that said they needed to turn it down because people thought they were watching porn. Ah. So, you know, it, uh, maybe that's I have nothing why. to say. I have yeah. nothing to say about that. So, but Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, they beat the hell out of each other. They did stiff everything. Um, that there was that one like chop block that Charlotte did to Rhea that looked like she broke her knee. Yeah, they, they went. Just, they, they, they went for it, man. They they went all out in that match, and it was a hell of a way to open the show. Open night two. I was a little at first just like, oh, why are they having them open day two? It's gonna be so forgettable and blah blah blah. Nope. Nope. That was just they stole the weekend, and I knew it. I knew it as soon as that match was over that they stole the weekend. I knew there was nothing that was gonna come throughout the rest of that show that was going to be better than that match. No, there is a reason they put these two together. And I, I don't think this is the end of this feud and I hope it isn't. Um, they definitely could go for a few more matches, but um, I don't take anything away from Rhea Ripley, not getting the win here. Um, I think getting Charlotte back on NXT will refresh her greatly. Um, so overall, I mean, it was, not, it was a damn good match. Um, the best pornography I've ever seen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> it was, it was, it was good. It was a good match. And I, I did, I rev, I'm very happy that they decided to put these two together in a feud and, you know, cause Rhea Ripley, I think they even touched on the idea of Rhea Ripley being kind of like 
you know, the next phase of what Charlotte brought. I do, I do agree with that. I think Rhea Ripley is just getting started. She is going to have a long, awesome career. And I think, you know, Charlotte definitely set the benchmark for what women wrestling can be. And now you got somebody that can really keep up with her and maybe even will one day surpass her. And that makes things a lot more entertaining for sure for the viewer. And it's going to make it more fun for them. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think it's going to bring a lot of, hopefully it brings a lot of good attention having Charlotte as the NXT women's champion um, ship. And hopefully she's able to really, you know, Shayna Baszler's not the head of that division anymore. So you bring Charlotte in, we have some dream matches, give Charlotte something to do. And, you know, I just think that only positives come out of it. Absolutely. Uh, then we followed that up, unfortunately for them, with Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley, a no-build match that nobody even knew was going to happen or why it was happening. But it happened, and we saw it, and it was fine. Um, did Is this when they started the Lana Lashley? Yeah. Okay, they started yeah. it here where she was, trying, she was yelling at Bobby Lashley. It disappointed in him kind of and all that yeah, yeah. telling him what to do and he wasn't listening and he ended up picking up the loss and got black mass did yeah this this whole thing is just silly with it, it's always had it always has been silly i don't really get the whole i never got the lana lashley thing i don't get what they do with lashley at all this is black terminator i've said it before on this show this guy has the look he can go in the ring and they are dropping the ball over and over. And I, I honestly hope he just leaves because I really think like a guy like Lashley and like an AEW could be their top star. They could be a top star in WWE. They just don't know how to use this guy and they've never been able to use him correctly. Meanwhile, you know, I'm happy Alistair Black got a win at Mania. That's great. But again, we got to be careful with this guy because supposedly they want him to be one of their top stars, but they're not treating him like one. And it's, you can't just kind of hover. Well, black. Yeah. You can't hover with talent like, and just say, Oh, he's going to be the next guy. Okay. If you're either, if you're going to, if you're going to make him the guy, make him the guy, you can't just have people in holding patterns because people as fans, we change with what we like or what we don't like. And right now, Alistair black just feels like, He's close to something, but he's we don't know what that is. Yeah, he's been in a holding pattern since he debuted on Raw. Right. You know, outside of the tag team stuff with Ricochet, then he sat in a closet for a year. <laughs> you know, and just was like, hey, I'm here if anyone wants to fight. And then no one would want to fight him. And he just sat there, you know, yeah. so um, he he's there. He had a good match with Lashley. He's having some good matches on TV now coming post-Mania, so I'm curious. Maybe, like I said, makes sense that they build him towards Undertaker in November and let Aleister Black take that over and have some fun with it, and I really think that could be really cool, mm-hmm. but I don't really know. But this match, especially following Flair and Ripley, it just was wah-wah. Doomed to fail. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. Then we had one of the biggest stories going on in WWE. It's been going on since Valentine's Day. We had Dolph Ziggler in his first ever singles match at WrestleMania. What? Think about it. First ever singles match. He's never had another singles match at Mania. That's... I, how did I... What? Wow. Yeah, that that's true. 
Yeah, and if anybody out there can do that, because they've never known what to do with Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. He had the big, you know, the money in the bank cash in the night after The night after he cashed in at Mania. And then he he never kept the belt. He never, I mean, he has had big moments surrounding Mania. But every match he's always been has been a ladder match, multi-man, tag team. Got it. As far as I'm aware. Now, I could be wrong. I haven't done the full research, but I saw that. I saw a couple people talking about that. So. Well, I dare a listener out there to correct us. I dare you to correct us. You email us at 123yeswrestling.com and you tell us. <laughs> yeah, we're wrong. Tell us we're wrong. We're never wrong. Dolph Ziggler versus Otis. Yeah. Started as a feud, turned into GTV. Now it's... They had a match. It was fine. Um, the storyline going into this match was that Otis and Mandy Rose were a budding relationship. They were flirting with each other. Finally, Otis worked up the courage to get a date with Mandy Rose for him to get a text message telling Ra- Mandy that she was going to be late. And then he showed up late and Dolph Ziggler was there with Mandy. And everyone was sad. And then... It turned out the Friday before WrestleMania that there was a mystery person who's most likely Mustafa Ali, who is a hacker, beep bop booping with computers. You know how computers beep, 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 beep. And he just made things happen. And he is a showed up footage GTV style back in the day. It's an old school wrestling reference, GTV. We never found out who was behind those videos surfacing. And now... We do know, because why not tie it in and just have this dude be the guy who was doing it? Even though, chances are, if it was Mustafa Ali, he wasn't born yet. <laughs> well. Just remember we're getting, that. We're, we're, we're kind of getting a little off track here. But I will say <laughs> that the idea of Mufasa, or Mufasa, damn it, I almost called him Mufasa again. Mustafa Ali. I, we haven't talked about this guy for 30 episodes, and I made the same damn mistake and called him Mufasa. Mustafa Ali as a hacker character would be a lot of fun. And in the anonymous, like that's the way that whole reveal felt like it was like an anonymous video. Like it was like breaking in to the feed and like that. That's pretty cool. I, I would love to see a character like that done. Um, But my question is, you know, besides that, where does Sonia Deville play into this? Cause what are we, the storyline was a little weird. Like, was she jealous of Otis and we're going I, with the angry lesbian character or was she just, she was putting Dolph up to this and she liked Dolph. I, she was the only confusing part of this storyline. She is confusing. So now ultimately it seems like Sonya Deville due to the hacker footage, Sonya Deville sent out a tweet to Otis from Mandy's phone that said, yeah, I'm going to be late. So Otis was like, all right. And then Sonya de- deleted them from Mandy's phone. So Mandy didn't know that Otis was going to be late so then Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose's tag team partner, sicked Dolph Ziggler on Mandy Rose and said, she's all yours. Go get her. And then so she pimped out Mandy Rose to Dolph Ziggler. And then Mandy Rose was like, all right, I got stood up on Valentine's Day by Otis, but Dolph Ziggler's here. So we're going to date now. And that was what they did. But now Mandy Rose knew everything that happened. And Sonya Deville, for some reason, then was very apologetic and like, oh my God, no, I didn't mean it. No, no, you got to hear the whole story. But then she walked out like a badass at WrestleMania in Dolph Ziggler's corner. Like, all right, why yeah. are you here? So it was right. weird. But so, well, yeah, I, I don't I know. Think, 
I think I even heard Sonya Deville refer to Dolph Ziggler as baby during the match. Like, get him, get her, like, get him, baby. It's like, well, wait, what? Like, this doesn't, like, this was a really cool storyline for the most part. And I almost wish that they would have just did, like, Sonya Deville, like, no, I wanted her. I've wanted her this whole time. And you're not going to just show up and take her from me. Like, that's what what I that's where I think they were going to go, but that execution was not there. No, and I think at this point with the idea that she sicked Dolph on Mandy yeah. means that she de- wasn't necessarily worried about Mandy for herself, but no. just wanted ma- someone better for Mandy than Otis. Right. So it just becomes anti-Otis of a storyline. Yes. I don't think they're going to bring the lesbianism into it. They should. And it's probably, they should. But the the problem with it is that WWE does not know how to be tactful when it comes to those kind of topics or subjects. I know. I know. So the idea of them touching it is bad. I know. It's no bueno. It's no so bueno. Tact they don't need something. to touch it. As much as I think Sonya Deville could not knock a storyline out of the park with that, yeah. and it would be a good thing if they could handle it, but whoever they have writing for them is not. Yeah. It just It just would be... It's still used as a negative. It's still used as a joke and a punchline. And right. we don't need any of that. So if that's the way that they're going to go with it, kind of how they did with Liv Morgan and Lana, which they kind of dropped because I think they started getting some heat for that. So yeah. anyway, Dolph Ziggler and Otis was a match at WrestleMania. We took the long way to get there. Apparently we had more to talk about than we thought we did. It was a fine match. It was, yeah. you know, Otis moved better than I've seen him move in a long time. Dolph Ziggler bumped for bumped to hell for him. Made him look great. Otis got the win. Mandy Rose came out to stop shenanigans. And then she said she was going to be no one's prize. She didn't want anyone fighting for her. But when this damn thing ended, she jumped in Otis's arms and gave him a kiss. So I guess she still was a prize. <laughs> she, she was a prize. The fat guy got the girl. All is well. We had a happy ending. Otis gets laid. It's awesome. Like The only... And this was the only moment of WrestleMania Night 2 that it's a shame it was in front of 80,000 people. Yeah, I think this could have been a good payoff. And the funny thing is, Otis was is getting, you know, it's hard to tell without the crowd reaction. But before we went to, you know, not having fans, Otis was getting over. Uh, mm-hmm. This storyline was getting over. And this would have been your culmination at Mania. And I don't know what the future holds for him. I think it's good. The guy's got nothing but charisma. He's funny. He's good on the mic. He's really good in the ring for a huge dude. Um, I om- I almost feel a little bit bad for Tucker because I think heavy machinery is probably not going to be a thing much longer based on what how over this guy has become. So, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, but I also don't know how much Otis can go on his own or how far he could go. Keeping him with Tucker kind of gives him at least a little bit of cushion. Yeah, and you could also make him a monster, too. Like, as funny as he is, he could just flip a switch. And, you know, I thought it'd be kind of cool if, like, you know, if they put Mandy and him together, Mandy could, like, make bring out that that mean streak in him and all that. You know, you can go a lot of ways with this storyline, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a good way to cap off that 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 story because it was actually told really well over the last couple months. It really was. And it was the most compelling story that WWE has produced in a long time. And then it still has that added mystery of the hacker and what yes. was going on with that. So it's very cool. Absolutely. Um, and now we come up to what would be the most controversial or polarizing match that would be on this card if it, there wasn't a such thing as the Firefly Funhouse match. But 
there is a Firefly Funhouse match, and we'll get to that in a minute. But Edge versus Orton. Edge's first match coming back in nine years. He has not wrestled. He had a career-ending neck injury. He was forced to retire. They did a whole documentary after night one, which was damn good. If you have the WWE Network, you should definitely check it out. Also, if you have the WWE Network, I just saw that FS1 is going to start playing episodes from the Ruthless Aggression documentary. So if you're bored and you have FS1, you should check that out because those were pretty solid too. But segue back. Edge versus Orton, Edge's first match. They had a last man standing match. Boy, oh, did I not like this match. But they went for 38 minutes and some change. They battled all over the performance center. Edge did things that he had to apologize to his wife for later because he said he would never do again. And we came out with Edge doing a concerto on top of a semi-truck to Randy Orton and picking up the win. Let's talk about this match. Ed versus Orton. Ed, what would you think? Or sorry, uh, Edge versus Orton. Ed, not Ed versus Orton. Well, you know, the thing about it is I think that this match is a, it, it's a shame because I don't think this is the match we were supposed to get at WrestleMania. I do believe that in front of a live crowd, we would have probably had a very good one-on-one match between Edge and Randy Orton. Um, that being said, we had to figure out a way to do an Edge match not in front of the live crowd that was still felt epic. And this is what they thought it would be. Um, they were wrong. This match was, number one, it was way too long. Uh, number two, they went everywhere in the, in the performance center, places that I don't need to see, like office spaces and things like that. Um, but then it got to the point where the match was so distracting that I started like caring about other things. Like I really thought, wow, the the conference room at the Performance Center is beautiful. It, uh-huh. it, had, it was like a marble table, and they've got like a chain link fence in the ceiling. Like I could care less about what was happening. I was just more worried about where they were at, and that's when I knew this match was getting out of control. But then he, I I did cringe a little bit. Uh, when they went into the training room and did like the whole hanging thing, I'm like, how did you guys think this was not going to make people think of Benoit? Like, it, it just it blew my mind that they did that spot. Now, especially like a week after that documentary right. aired, where they went into all of the details yes. of how Chris Benoit killed his family right. and himself. And now we're gonna let's reenact that with Edge. You're like, come on, really, yeah. guys? Nobody, it, nobody, nobody. This is a billion dollar company, and nobody thought, hey, you know that someone might make this correlation. So let's not do that spot. And and it was even edited and taped. So how many right. people? How many people watched that match over? And one thought that that spot was okay. Didn't say anything. Not one single person. And why didn't anybody else say this is too long? Let's cut some stuff out. Right. You had a week since you taped it to when it aired that you could have done some work to really make this thing magic. And they did nothing. They left it as a 40-minute behemoth of just two guys. And then where the hell was the commentary? Why didn't why wh- why wasn't Byron Saxon or Todd Phillips talking? And why were they talking so quiet? They yeah. Like, oh my well, god. It my was god. it was just it was bad. And I feel bad for Edge. I feel really bad for Edge. Because this is not what he wanted. And like that's the thing. is like I'm not well, going to hold it too much against him. But 
I don't think this is the match he wanted to come back to. Well, don't feel bad for Edge, because he was on Corey Graves' podcast after WrestleMania. Did you hear about that? No. And they talked about this match, and he loved what they did. He loves everything that happened. And he said, I've only gotten 100% positive feedback from this match. And Bret Hart told me it was an amazing match. So if Bret Hart says it's an amazing match, I believe it. And he said, anybody who has anything negative to say are just looking for negative things to, uh, to bitch about. And he doesn't want to listen to any negative criticism about the match because he doesn't believe it. He thinks nobody has any right to not like this match. Okay, well, he's wrong because Mm -hmm. it's 40 minutes and it's probably 20 minutes way too long. There is a way to tell this type of a storyline, this type of a match. It wasn't done. That's my opinion. But I I want we need Corey for this one because I think he enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, like. Edge just, in my opinion, Edge deserves better. And I know Edge is capable of more. But I wanted to see Edge's first match back in a wrestling ring. I didn't want to see it in a backstage brawl. That's what it comes down to. Ultimately, yes. I don't want to see Edge. You know, especially for these guys' first match, when they come back, I don't know. You know, he's obviously got cleared. You watch the documentary. He's in great shape. He's doing what he's got to do. Okay, that's awesome. But you know what? The first time I see you back in the ring, I don't want to see you jumping off ladders and doing crazy shit. Daniel Bryan, I wanted him to ease into what he did. Now, Daniel Bryan does what he's going to do, and I'm used to it. It's been a year. It's been two years now since Daniel Bryan came back. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Daniel Bryan's fine. He knows what he's doing at this point. But... Edge, I don't know, you know, so it's like you still look at him like, and I don't want to see him jumping off ladders, you know, until he shows me that he can do it. You know, it's just kind of a, it was a bummer. And I really thought for having one of the best builds of the WrestleMania this year, it was just kind of a shame. I knew, like I said, last man standing matches aren't my thing. Um, Whenever at some point when we talk about NXT, same thing happens with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I just, they're not my thing. They're not my style of match. I'd rather see something take place in the ring and then you can bring some of those moments in. But eh, it just was, like I said, to me, this was one of the biggest disappointments for what should have been one of the highlights. I agree. I will give the end credit. I think the end had a lot of emotion. That probably had the most emotion of the match. But that also frustrated me the most because they had good camera angles. It was shot cinematically. And I was just like, okay, you could have done this this whole match. Why yep. now? Why now do I suddenly care about this? Forty yeah. minutes in. Yeah, absolutely. So then after that, we follow that up with the SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey versus Sasha Banks versus Lacey Evans versus Naomi versus my girl. Nobody's meaner than Tamina. Tamina was in a WrestleMania Championship match for some reason, but it was a five-way elimination match and. It was fine. It was better than I thought it was going to be. It was fun. They had some good spots with, you know, teasing tension between Bailey and Sasha. It was it was fine. After following, you know, like I said, Edge and Orton, I was like, all right, I'm cool with this. <laughs> I was cool with it, and I even liked the, how they brought Tamina into this match. I know it was, you know, kind of put together somewhat last minute, but the idea of kind of like, we're going to start. Uh, you know, understanding that we have a woman on the roster that's been around for almost 15, 16 years and has not ever had a chance to be anything more than a low card support role. And that's terrible considering that's, you know, who, whose daughter she 
is, you know, number one. But the fact she can wrestle, she's a trained wrestler and she's a beast. And I'm I think she had a great showing in this match, but I really hope into the future we see her play a little bit more of a role in the women's revolution because there's a good story there to tell with Tamina. And I hope they start telling it. But, you know, they I, I had a feeling we would get a Sasha Banks win here. Um, we didn't. They continue the Bailey run. But obviously the seeds have been planted for Sasha and Bailey to have a huge blow off match probably sometime this year with, I believe, Sasha Banks getting a title run that will last more than a couple weeks, hopefully. But, you know, so it was hopefully a good match. she'll be able to defend the title once. Exactly. It was a good it was a good match laid some good seeds for the future and Bailey continues her historic run as SmackDown women's champion. Yeah. I enjoy heel Bailey and mm-hmm. uh, what she brings. And it's definitely a breath of fresh air to see what she does. And I don't always comment or even pay too much attention to SmackDown and their divisions, but I, this was fine. This was a nice bring me back to wrestling after I watched edge and Orton. Exactly. Placed anywhere else. I might not have enjoyed it as much. True. Then we get to probably what potentially was the most polarizing match at WrestleMania 36, the Firefly Funhouse match. Another cinema movie-style match, this time John Cena against Bray Wyatt and The Fiend. And they went all out for this one. They basically told the story of it wasn't necessarily a match or even a fight. It was just the story of John Cena from where he was. And the things he never got to do versus the things he did do. And really, it was just a culmination of John Cena's whole career until Bray Wyatt made him disappear. I mean, ultimately, it's what it was. It was, you know, went through all the different eras. They went through his debut where John Cena with hair was wearing his same outfit. Bray Wyatt was being Kurt Angle. Then they had John Cena being in the NWO and doing a heel turn. And Bray Wyatt was Eric Bischoff. They, it was like watching an episode of Twin Peaks. So this is where I get on my edge uh, soapbox. Um, and, you know, you may disagree with me. You may agree with me. Uh, this was the best match of, for me, of the, of the two nights. Um, but this was also one of the most entertaining matches I've ever seen, period. And because it really isn't anything we've ever seen before. But... To break it down, which I've I've heard read some excellent articles, even bring, bringing up stuff that I didn't catch. So you know, for from Cena disappearing and that bringing back, you can't see me. You know, all these little subtle tie-ins. You really have to watch this like a movie. And if people don't really like it, they just don't get that. They don't mm-hmm. get that this was designed to be like a very much like, hey, if you're doing a Firefly Funhouse match. Number one, you have to acknowledge that the Firefly Funhouse is a place, and I never wanted to acknowledge it that it was a place. I remember on the podcast, we got upset when Seth Rollins burned it down because we never wanted it to be a place. We wanted it to be a thing, a state of mind, and this match brought that back to what it is. John Cena was inside the mind of Bray Wyatt for this match because that's the only way to have a Firefly Funhouse match, and this is what you got. You got a mental torment of what John Cena was. And then you also have Bray Wyatt's characters from the past speaking and talking about what John Cena's actions did to him that led to him becoming the fiend. And the way it ended with, you know, John Cena's monologue about I'm going to put an end to, you know, Bray Wyatt, this overhyped guy, while the fiend is literally about to kill him. 
mm-hmm. is it just was it was awesome. I just loved everything about this, and I will defend it to my dying breath. It was great. So how did you feel about uh, Titus O'Neil just staring at the camera when it was over saying, I don't know what that was? <laughs> I mean, they. I think it was fine. It was just like there had to be some type of a – after you just – after you dropped that type of a match, you have to have an immediate response of some kind. And they decided it would be T- Titus O'Neil going, oh, my God. And it was fine. I, I had no problem with it. No, I enjoyed the hell out of the Firefly Funhouse match. It was definitely different than the Boneyard match, which was fun. I was glad that it wasn't an actual match. I think it, that was better for Cena, so then he could be still a part and have a WrestleMania moment without necessarily risking his health or risking injury or doing anything else. Granted, no one's making any movies right now anyway, so he's got plenty of time to heal from any injuries he may have sustained. But it seemed like it just went over really well. And like I said, if you're a wrestling fan, especially throughout Cena's run, a lot of that stuff's going to come back to you. A lot of that stuff is memories. But then seeing how they twisted those memories within a movie style, like I said, it was like this weird just episode of Twin Peaks, Cena edition. Yeah, no, and uh, I give I give Cena a ton of credit because in many ways this is like over uh, over asking for how we could put Bray Wyatt over, you know, Bray Wyatt basically got the chance to pick and like choose different parts of John Cena's career to literally eviscerate, you know, and uh even the idea of the whole NWO, like I somebody somebody said it was like Earth 62 John Cena, you know, in WCW. But then again, like in this, I, it didn't hit me until I read more posts about it. That's that was the whole when we were begging Cena to be a heel. Like that was that era that we never got this idea of like John Cena becoming Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And we wanted it, but we never got it. So that mm-hmm. was in reference what that was supposed to be. So it's like that. It, it was great because it added layers to Bray Wyatt, but it actually added a lot of layers to John Cena, too. So that's why I really enjoyed this for what it was. Yeah, it was a good time. It was definitely memorable. The worst thing that comes about from it is the fact that there were reports that Vince McMahon did not like it. So that's that's, that's no good. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, 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 I've had I've had a lot of things to say about Vince McMahon and. Some of them aren't that polite, so I'm just going to leave them alone. That's a better discussion for when Corey's on the podcast. Yes. Much like the Boneyard match from the night before, it was very different, but it was very memorable, and it definitely made each day feel special. Then we followed it up with the main event, Drew McIntyre attempting to win his first ever championship in WWE against Brock Lesnar, the Beast Incarnate. And they had a Brock Lesnar match. It went about four minutes. It was Claymore kicks and F5s. It was cool to be able to hear Paul Heyman in the crowd. It was fine. And Drew McIntyre picked up the win as expected from the Royal Rumble winner and everything. I was glad to see that Drew McIntyre and Lesnar did ultimately be kind of the main event. They got their main event spot that I think he wouldn't have gotten if Roman wouldn't have pulled out as well. I think this would have been the main event of night one. They would have got the Goldberg Braun spot on night one. But regardless, Drew McIntyre got his moment a little different. He's saying he loves that he still got it in front of nobody and he was still able to do a bunch of stuff. But it is, once again, it's a shame it wasn't in front of 80,000 people because I think it would have really went a hold, would have went off a lot better with each Claymore kick. Each F5 really would have popped that crowd and 
you know, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg matches just don't work without a crowd. No, they don't. And that that was the problem is like the the Brock Lesnar style match uh, was exposed uh, with this particular show because it does need a crowd in order to justify, number one, the shortness. But number two, that, you know, these moves are so over that we don't know if one can finish the job. So we need the crowd reacting in order for us to believe, oh, my God, this match is over after one F5. But it isn't. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, my God, this match is over after one Claymore, and it isn't. Without the crowd, it just comes off like a short snooze fest, which is is not good. But the right guy went over. Drew McIntyre is your WWE champion, and he did something that is a huge rule breaker, but I guess he got good kudos for it, and he pointed right into the camera and thanked the crowd. And he talked about that uh, right after. He said he did that. Because you know he knew people weren't there there, but he knew they were there celebrating with him through the uh, through you know the the network. And what else can you what else can you say about a guy? This guy got put into a position where he's finally going to main event main at WrestleMania, and he doesn't have a crowd to do it in front of. And he still finds a way to you know just connect to people and through that way in that in that moment. And that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was good to see him have his moment. Glad Lesnar's gone for the time being. Um, see what Drew does. Like I said, it's his awkward era of no crowds and uh, you know empty arena shows. So kind of see. Hopefully they have a plan for Drew and they can still push through. And he's not set up to be temporary. And he's not set up to. I you know I want him to be able to come out in front of a crowd with that belt. Yeah, I think he deserves that. And I really I hope they give him that opportunity. Because, you know, it, it was already hard enough that you're asking the talent to be there in these very trying times. So, and I know Vince McMahon is probably the type, even though this is a very serious thing, he's looking at the people that are there and the people that aren't in different ways. And I hope he looks at Drew McIntyre and says, wow, this guy was here for me. I'm going to be behind him. And he absolutely deserves to walk out to a live crowd with that belt because, Whenever that moment comes, the crowd is going to go nuts for it. And that's what he, because they, they know he was denied this moment. And I guarantee you, the minute we have a chance to celebrate him in front of a crowd, the crowd will be with him. Yeah, he'll get that moment. He'll get that mm -hmm. pop. And that will be awesome. So then on Monday Night Raw the next night, the famous Raw After Mania, they kept teasing the whole night. Shocking footage of what went down after WrestleMania. Shocking footage involving the new WWE champ. So then they cut to the main event of Monday Night Raw after Mania was actually 20 minutes after Brock Lesnar fell to Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre was called back out to the ring to do an interview. He was cutting his promo when the Big Show cam comes out. Out of nowhere, Big Show shows up, and he basically tells... Drew McIntyre starts talking trash, and Drew McIntyre's like, hey, man, I know what you're doing. And uh, Big Show goes, no, no, I'm not here for a championship match here tonight, tomorrow night, or even at Money in the Bank. I am just here to you know, talk to you about this, that, and the other, and you don't deserve this. And then Drew, he kept talking smack about Drew, and Drew goes, there's nothing you can say that's going to get me to fight you. And Big Show slapped him across the face, and Drew unvelcroed his belt, and... Uh, all of a sudden, we had a championship match that Big Show said he didn't want on 20 minutes after uh, Brock Lesnar fell. So Drew McIntyre defended his belt already against the Big Show and picked up a win against the Big Show. 
So then just let me ask you a question. Did Big Show just main event WrestleMania in 2020? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. I mean, why, why would they do this like this? I don't know. Um, I I think it has something to do with not having the resources to pull off a show that they would want to, to do. So it's literally looking at what pieces you have in front of you. And let's even look at it deeper. Like they probably were looking just to people local to Florida, which I do believe the big show lives in Florida. So yeah, it, this is this is all they had. This is the card they had to play in order to have a show for after mania. And, and I'll get on my soapbox again. This is exactly why I don't think they should continue programming after mania. I think that this was a logical way to take a break because you don't have the resources to continue storylines. Um, that's obviously not going to happen, uh, but this is what you get. You get a secondary main event match at Mania that wasn't at Mania, but is. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Now, there were reports coming out that they can't take a break due to TV deals, and they're only supposed to have like one to three taped shows. And that's part of the ah. contracts for both USA and Fox. So technically, gotcha. if they don't do live shows, they're in breach Fox, of contract. Yeah, and they could renegotiate, and they could have to potentially lose money that way. So those are reports coming out. There's been no talk about whether those people in this situation. You know, I highly doubt Fox would hold them to it, based on you know the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. But right. Who knows? We've seen a lot of crazy decisions being made for sake of the economy or for sake of money over people's lives. So, you know, without falling down too big of a rabbit hole, which I could do extremely easily at this exact moment, but I'm not going to because you guys are listening to us to get away from that. Right. So WrestleMania 36, too big for one night. This podcast was too big for just one show. And I'm probably going to split it into two. Not a bad idea. We can then double share the one, two, three, yes articles. There you go. Supporting the podcast. Yes. Please like, share, subscribe, support, support us. Support your local podcast, damn it. And we are your local podcast. You know us. When when times are normal, you see us in the grocery store. You wave to us when we are cutting our grass. Support this podcast, damn it. It's supported by people like you. But that is one, two, three. Yes, wrestling's WrestleMania recap. I'm sure we'll be talking about this show for years and years to come. Whenever we are able to hook back up with Corey, I'm sure he'll still have some thoughts. He'll listen to this and be like, what? What did you guys say? And he'll be all mad about us with Edge and Orton and everything else. So I look forward to getting his backlash. And you know what? I bet you Mr. Fitness has got something to say about Mania as well. And we will get to that once we find him because his banker, his bunker is lost somewhere. We don't know where it is. So I heard a rumor it's empty. <gasps> he has left the bunker. Like King Tut's tomb. Yeah. Wasn't that the tomb that Geraldo jumped in on? What's yes, inside? And- no, that was Al Capone's vault. Yes. And Al Capone's there was vault. There. He opened it up and there's nothing inside and it was on TV. Man, if you guys are too young to know what we're talking about, you should look that up. That's hilarious. Well, it's also the famous line in Titanic. He's like, you know, the same thing happened to Geraldo and his career never recovered. (laughs) 
And with that, we are going to wrap up the WrestleMania show. If you're still with us, you just got all of that as bonus material. If not, you didn't hear it anyway. I'm Chris. This is Ed. Ladies and gentlemen, it is always a pleasure when we get together. Take it easy, guys. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. I'll be missing.